It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. This is Cork Today with Patricia Massinger. On the home of Cork's greatest hits. Cork's greatest hits. Cork's, Cork's, Cork's greatest hits. C103. And a very good morning to you. And that weather forecast saying how nice and calm it is going to be today. I'm right in saying it is the calm before the storm because we certainly won't be saying that later on this evening. We can expect winds of up to 130 kilometres an hour are expected to batter the country as Storm Callum. It becomes the latest to reach our coast and it will pose, according to Met Aram, a risk to life and uh, property. Now, coastal counties, they've been advised to batten down the hatches. Met Aram have issued this status orange warning for 13 counties ahead of the arrival of this storm this evening. A status yellow warning then has been put in place for the rest of the country, but of course the orange one is the stronger one. That's where you get winds over 100 kilometres per hour. The Met Aaron have advised people to stay away from exposed coastal areas for the duration of the warning, which comes into place at 10 o'clock tonight and it remains in place until 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. Now, us here in Cork and our neighbours across the uh, the boundary in Kerry. We're going to be the first to be hit by the storm late tonight and then the other counties will, who will be hit by the orange warning are at risk from midnight uh, on. Uh, but the problem is that there's going to be a, a spell of very heavy rain along with high tides. There's a risk of coastal flooding and that of course obviously could lead to damage. The strongest winds associated with the event will occur during the nighttime hours. So for most of us, please God, we'll be safe wrapped up warm and warm in bed and we'll wake up tomorrow morning and everything hopefully will be uh, okay but the rush hour traffic the commute tomorrow morning they're still saying that the orange the status orange warning is still going to be in place so you could have a tricky drive to work tomorrow you've got to be very careful because as I say status orange warning stays in place until nine o'clock tomorrow morning. Now the Road Safety Authority urging drivers obviously to exercise caution over the coming days with the significant risk particularly of the coastal flooding. Motorists have been warned do not attempt to drive through flooded areas because you really just do not know how deep the water is. They're advising drivers to keep an eye on the local weather and traffic reports and conditions in their area. They've also issued a number of guidelines to take. If you do need to go out and and with the commute, commute time tomorrow morning there will 
will be a number of people out heading to work tomorrow morning. Things like beware of objects being blown out onto the road. You constantly need to look out for falling or fallen debris on the road and vehicles veering across the road. So make sure, obviously, slow it down. Control of a vehicle can be affected by those strong crosswinds. High-sided vehicles, motorcycles, they're particularly vulnerable. And of course, when you're driving, allow extra space between you and vulnerable road users like cyclists and motorcyclists drive with your headlights dipped at all all times. They're also advising pedestrians, cyclists and motorcyclists to wear bright clothing with reflective armbands or belts. And uh, Storm Callum, of course, this is our third storm because it goes by the elf. It goes alphabetically. We've had Ali was the first one and Brona. We had both of those in September and the storm season. This is the one that runs from 2018 into 2019. Um, and hopefully, hopefully it won't be as bad as is being predicted. But the warnings are out there. So please just be extremely careful if you do need to go out while the storm warning is underway. And if there are any events, as I say, it doesn't kick in until 10 o'clock tonight so maybe if events have been planned people might think you know they'll get to the event and get home and so there, there may not be a need to cancel anything but if we hear of any cancellations are you involved in anything that you've been forced to cancel because of that weather warning let us know please here at the radio station at C103 so that we can alert other listeners 1850 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. We're playing another round of my shopping list competition today on the programme. We've teamed up all this week with Dano Centra and Maxwell Spa Glen Mallow celebrating 30 years serving the community and they've very kindly given us daily prizes of a €100 Euro Dano Centro gift card and a €50 Euro Dano Maxwell gift card to give away every day. I will read out a list a list of items on my shopping list. You then have 30 seconds to recall as many of them as possible. Whoever calls out the most uh, will win the amount that day. So uh, we'll look for callers later on today, but we do play another round today. Coming up on the programme, why is there a delay in getting funding for a housing development in Kinsale? We were talking about the budget yesterday on the programme and uh, it very much has been billed as a housing uh, budget and there was lots of talk in the run up to the budget that they, you know, the government and Pascal Donoghue was really going to try and do something uh, to about housing and to get more houses built and there was, you know, huge figures spoken about. 2.3 billion was the amount that was quoted that's going to be spent on a housing uh, budget but when you bring it down to uh, deliver social housing they're saying 1.25 figures people outside of you know when we're talking about billions people just want to know how many houses are we going to get well they're talking about 10,000 new social houses for next year it would be terrific if they managed to achieve that and take 10,000 families off council housing lists and people living in rented accommodation people living in homeless accommodation people living in hotels it would be fantastic to think this time next year we will be talking about those 10,000 families who had been uh, homed so when we're looking at all of that and looking at all the money and looking at the government increasing the spend on housing it gets very frustrating to hear that there is a local 
group of houses, uh, a plan for a, a group of houses to be built in Kinsale, and there seems to be a problem with trying to get the funding. Everything, you know, everything is ready to rock and roll. I think a builder is even in place, but the funding, there seems to be an issue with the funding. So we're going to talk about that on the programme today. Fantastic news to hear this week that Clonakilty has been named the first ever autism-friendly town in the country. Isn't that terrific? Clonakilty, they're a great little town. They were, they were also the first town, weren't they? They were the first fair trade town uh, ever. This is, this is any, any family that's living with a family member on the autism uh, spectrum will talk to you and tell you how difficult it can be to do the normal everyday things, to take a child with autism to the supermarket, to take them to the playground, to take them to the cinema, just to do the ordinary things that every other family does. So obviously the Clonakilty community, the business community and the people of Clonakilty have got together to decide, well, if there's anybody in the autism spectrum and you want to come visit uh, Clonakilty, you're going to find it an ideal place to visit. So we're going to find out how they've achieved uh, this status. And obviously the hope would be that other towns and villages and cities uh, would follow suit and supermarket, you know, um, not supermarket um developments outside of um, towns where you get large amounts of shops to get shopping centres, I can't think of the word for shopping centre, shopping centres, that they'd all get together and that they would become autism friendly. It, it would be fantastic because families with a, a child or an adult on the autism spectrum can talk to you about social isolation. Um, and I remember and I've often spoken in, in both a private capacity with families that I would know that have children and, and adults on the autism spectrum. And over the years, I would have done interviews on the programme with the families and talking about, you know, a child having a meltdown and the embarrassment and other people looking. And because particularly autism can be such a hidden disability. A child with autism doesn't wear a badge to say they they have autism. So they look perfectly normal. And then for whatever reason, in their little world, things are not going right for them. And they have what is often referred to as a meltdown. It looks like it's just a very bold child. And you can see a mother or a father or sometimes a mother and a father desperately struggling to try to get this child under control. And other people around looking saying God almighty would you look at that brat of a child wouldn't you think those parents would have more control and nothing could be further from the truth and if a child has too many of those meltdowns I would have spoken to families who say we just don't go out anymore the mother will go out on her own the father will go out on their own I remember talking with a family once uh, who had a child who they just gave up going out because they just um, they couldn't take it anymore they just couldn't take it anymore and they just couldn't get a handle or a grip on the child's very challenging behaviours and whatever about them trying to cope with the challenging behaviours it was other people's view on it and I spoke to her and, and I said how does it make you feel and she said that she the previous Saturday they, her neighbours she her, she was hanging washing out on the line and she heard all the neighbours one family packing up everything and they were going to the beach for the day and they were you know have you the buckets and spades who's got the sandwiches don't forget the flask and there was you know, peals of laughter it was a beautiful day and they were heading to the beach and she realised that her family would never be able to do that because of her daughter's uh, challenging behaviours behavior. and she said she reckoned she almost felt they were a dysfunctional family because they couldn't act like every other family and it was just utterly heartbreaking and she just said if there's only somewhere where we could go where we would be understood and that's obviously what the town of Clonakilty is trying to achieve so well done to 
them. So we'll discuss that uh, today on the programme. The dangers posed to young people by using anabolic steroids. This, the more research I've done into this, this really is frightening the life out of me. These are, now there's, there are young uh, women doing it as well. It isn't just men, but it is predominantly, I'm assuming, and we'll get to the bottom of it, but from what I can gather, it's predominantly more young men than women that are doing it. It's all to achieve this body beautiful hype that's going around at the moment and the ripped six pack. Um, and they're going to the gym and it's fantastic that you've got young lads going to the gym and you're thinking this is really good they're exercising you know they're, you, you assume they're eating the right diet in order to build up their muscle and all of that and you would think oh, God these guys are really healthy but what's not known is that the amount of them that are doing it but they're doing it by pumping themselves up with these steroids that they're obtaining online and we're going to talk about it in more detail uh, on the programme today because I'm interested to find out just how easy is it to get anabolic steroids and also the we're obviously going to talk about the health implications for the young people that are doing it I mean they're probably okay while they're doing it but what's going to happen um, afterwards in 10-15 years time what kind of long term damage can, are they doing to themselves and while they're taking these anabolic steroids either injecting them or taking them in, in tablet form what effect is, is it having on them is it changing their mood Uh, for example and what can other family members look out for if you are worried if you have a son or daughter going to the gym and if you're concerned because I take it they're not sharing with mammy and daddy oh by the way I'm just nipping upstairs I need to inject myself with some anabolic steroids because I'm assuming if the parents knew that they were doing it there'd be uproar in the house so we're going to talk about that if you have uh, a thought on that or if you know of somebody taking anabolic steroids or if you have a friend or a son or a daughter are you you worried about it and you have a question for the experts, let us know please. 1850 We will have a member from Garda Shea Corner join us for this week's uh, Crime File and Jane Pickett of the Island Wood uh, Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket uh, will join us to answer all of your pet questions so you can get your pet questions in throughout the morning. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Jer in Mallow has contacted us about an issue with, uh, good morning to you Jer, it's an issue that you've had with water in Connolly Avenue in Mallow, what's going on with your water? <laughs> you mean what's going on with where the water should be coming out of Patricia? Um, you, you have no water? We've no water, we, we haven't had a drop with five or six days um, to be honest, look you know everybody realises and understands, you know, that things go wrong from time to time, you know what I mean? And, you know, you may or may not find yourself, you know, without a particular service or whatever, like, you know. Yeah. But, you know, water is one of the fundamentals, like, you know what I mean? Um, you can't really do much without it, you know. You you can't feed yourself, you can't wash yourself, you know, you can't, you know, kind of have any quality of life really, like, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, and hence the reason whenever there's a water outage in an area, if it's going to go go on for a, a prolonged period of time, like usually more than a day or two, they'll bring tankers into the area. Inconvenient, but it does mean people have access to water. Absolutely. Um, the problem here, Patricia, is this... Um, how can I word this now? Like, like, I'm just kind of trying to put it in a way that, you know, I don't, you know, kind of blame anything else. Um how would I word this now? Um, like, look, w- w- when when we started first, we thought we like we thought it was only one house. Now we have been like we've been having ongoing problems here for three years with flow of water. Um, but this last week has been absolutely ridiculous altogether. Like you know, um, 
there's been instances where we'll say we might have a reduced flow. I mean, no reduced, like to the point where the cistern on the back of the toilet might take an hour to fill. Now, I mean, the cistern doesn't hold a lot of water, like, you know, so as you can imagine, like, if it's taking an hour to fill up. That's a trickle of water. That's a trickle of water, like, you know. Are you um, saying, is it every house in Connolly Avenue? I'm not 100% on this, right? Um, I, like, I know we've been having that problem definitely for the last six days, solid. Um, and it's been intermittent with us. It's not our first time having that problem. Now, I spoke to one of the neighbours that lives on the opposite end of the street this morning because he was passing up and he stopped outside the house. And I opened his car door and he turned around and said to me, no water. And I was looking at him and I said, Jesus, I said, don't tell me you've no water as well. He turned around and said, there's a few houses down there, he said, but no water. And I said, well, I, I said, well, I said, that's funny. I said, because I said, we've no kind of water either. Like, you know what I mean? I said, no, I said, I said, we've no water. I said, but the last five or six days. But, um... And Irish Water have been out to look at the problem. No, they haven't. You see, this is the this is the thing. But you've um, been reporting to Irish Water. Yes, yeah, we okay. have, and we've been ringing the council. Like, I mean, look, ten minutes ago, Patricia, I, I, I absolutely launched at some poor girl sitting in reception above and side in the offices of Annabella a while ago. Like, you know, now she put me on the phone to Irish Water, and I, I'm quite sure that she understood. You know what I mean? That, you know, I wasn't up there, you know, having a go or out of choice. Like, you know, but. Um, the attitude of Irish water is hugely simple. You get an operator on the end of the phone um, that will tell you that that you know she's had a, that she's had similar problems and that you know she has absolutely no problem at all. You know what I mean with being without water for a couple of days, <laughs> which I which I find unbelievably hard to swallow. You know, um, she's obviously just trying to offer you sympathy. That doesn't that doesn't put water back in back in your taps. Yes, yes. Okay, and, and I lost the plot with her on the phone. I had her like. She she was on the opposite end of the phone threatening to hang up with me and all I'm trying to do is get to the root of what's wrong, you know what I mean? And like I pointed out something to her. Um she she kinda said to me, you know what I mean, that you know, that she'd be quite happy to go without it or you know, that she went without it and she was okay with going without it. And I said, Yeah, I said, but I said, You can't expect other people I said to be alright, I said, Go on without it and she was kinda saying, Oh sure, you know, well, you know, there's nothing you can do really and I said, But I said it's a fundamental right. Well, I think the problem here is, Jar, if it was a water outage, like a burst pipe or something, and they were yes. coming to fix it, or, or they discovered some contamination in the water, but you knew they were sorting it out. But I'm sensing your frustration is that you're without water and nobody seems to be taking it seriously and nobody's doing anything to sort the problem. Yes. That's the issue. OK, and we have contacted Irish Water and they haven't got back to us yet. They are normally quite good, I have to say, of all the utilities uh, to get back to us. So we just want to find out. Well, we need somebody from Irish Water to head out to Connolly Avenue. And and fundamentally, like, like we, you need to like find out what's know. wrong. Like, we don't know. You see, see what I'm thinking is, right? Like, obviously, clearly, when it was done first day, like, like clearly there's a problem there, like, you know what I mean? Because the water is flying into some houses and then when it's flying into some houses... Those other houses have no ha- haven't got a drop. Now they're trying to say that it's the, it, like that. There's two mains feeding the whole street. But if there was two mains feeding the whole street, there'd be no problem. Yeah, you reckon there's one main feeding the whole street? I reckon that there's one main because like there there have been instances now where where our house has been the only house with a problem. We'll say you know, or it might be the mains for the top end of the street. Um, and what happens is, like, we might ring them because we have a severely reduced flow. So we ring them because there's a reduced flow, and they come up, and one of their engineers pulls a thing out of the back of the van, and he goes and he opens a manhole somewhere in the street, and he turns the valve, right? Now, 
you, you've, you've pictured this now from our point of view. We're looking out the window at this happening, right? And he turns this valve and our water flow comes back. Brilliant. No, that's brilliant. But in the amount of time that it takes the cistern in the attic to fill, right, which is what, 20 minutes, if it even takes that? Yeah. There's a second council van out in the street. And another fella gets out of it with another lever and goes back over to the same ballcock and twists it back. And then your water goes off. And our water goes off again. So what we get effectively every time, and I literally mean this, is a 20-minute fix. And has the council guy arrived because because by whatever they do to give you water has stopped somebody else getting water? Yes. Oh, for yes. God's that, sake. That's, what, that's, what, that's, right. that's exactly what I'm thinking. Mm, okay. I, I, I've no way of proving this, but it's the only thing that makes any shred of common sense because... Okay. All right. Why else would they be coming up twenty minutes later to talk, you know to ship the packing in? Like. Okay, listen, we're on to we're we're on to Irish Water, and as soon as we hear from them, um, we'll try to get to the bottom of it, Jer. Uh, but hang in there. How are you managing without water? You're buying bottled water. You're getting water from somewhere else. Yeah, it's fairly expensive, Patricia. Mm-hmm. Um, as as you can imagine yourself, you know when you're trying. So you, to you can't wash. use the washing machine, showers, anything. Yeah, that that you that's see that's part of the problem. And of course, you see the other side of it here is like. My, like, my mum does a bit of part-time work in a restaurant, you know, and I mean, like, I work, like, I, I'm a wedding entertainer. I Like, I can't be turning up into hotels, you know what I mean? You know, at the very least, not after having a shower, like, you know what I mean? Like, fair enough. Like, there's no one saying that these people are going to notice, but I know, Patricia. I know, I know, I know. You know? I, it's true. It's a fundamental right to have water coming out of your taps. All right, we will stay in contact with you, Ger. Thank you for that. No and uh, thanks uh, for raising the issue. 1850 I don't know how many other people in Con- the Connolly Avenue area of Mallow are having the same problems, but you certainly can sense the frustration in Ger's uh, voice. I mean, the fact that somebody comes out from Irish Water and he gets water and then somebody from the council comes and appears to reverse what the Irish water guy did and then he's without water again. I absolutely can sense that uh, frustration. A number of people actually mentioning uh, Emma Vic Mahuna uh, today and thinking about the her children. I actually went to bed last night uh, thinking of Emma Vic Mahuna's first night under the stars and thinking of her five children, their first night going to bed you know, really and completely without their mother. And just it is absolutely heartbreaking. All of the papers today, by the way, picking up on her funeral uh, yesterday. And how brave was her daughter, Natasha, the eldest young girl, the 16 year old? And you could see just in any of the footage that was on the TV or any of the bits from the paper, she she really is, I think, going to become the mother to her four little brothers at such a young age of of 16. But I just thought the way she spoke yesterday, she read out a piece, actually, that it was a tribute that had been written by the broadcaster, Ryan Tuberty. The family had asked, um, I think, I don't know if Emma Vic Mahuna herself had asked for Ryan Tuberty to do the tribute at the funeral. But, of course, the Late Late Show, I think it's for the first time ever, isn't it? It's coming from uh, London tomorrow, tomorrow night. So, obviously, he's out of the country. But he did write the tribute. And it was Natasha, the daughter, who who read out the tribute and I just thought the line where, the, where she spoke about Emma as a mother, a campaigner a fighter and a woman in a ball gown taking on the people who needed to be challenged and uh, I think her in that red dress, that red ball gown is how she will be forever remembered but there's a lot of uh, commentary in the paper today but lots and lots of people uh, remembering her and also thinking of her five beautiful children as they now try to get on with their life without their mother. 
Once again, we extend our deepest, deepest sympathies uh, to them and may Emma Vic Mahuna uh, rest in peace. Uh, 1850-333-103. Michael O'Sullivan in Castletown Bear wants me to raise what is a good issue and he's, he's uh, tying it in with the recent launch of the Air Ambulance which is still doing the rounds isn't it of the, of the counties so people can get to see it and they're hoping to have that Air Ambulance we were told at the end of the month it's, it's hoping to be up and running so in the next few weeks uh, the Air Ambulance should be going live and will be um, starting to uh, save lives but Michael is making the point that w- now that we have an air ambulance how important our air code is Michael says it's very important that everybody should know their air code as it gives pinpoint access to their address instantly it's amazing the volume of people that don't use or know their air code every teacher should make sure that all children should know their air code says uh, Michael and it is true. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know if I've ever actually used my air code unless some form insisted that I had to uh, write. Well, I do. I remember once having to be in a position where there was some form where I had to write my air code. And of course, I didn't have it. Uh, do you think I could remember where I put the little thing that I got with the air code on it at that moment in time I couldn't and then I did find it and then I got to fill in the form and all of that and I remember that day it was an auctioneer actually and he gave me a very good piece of advice he said do you have a mobile phone and I said I do he said take out your mobile phone now he said and put your air code into your content contents in your phone book so I did. And so if you, if you on my phone is if under under air code or postcode or something, I have it written down because I do not know it off. I tried to learn it off when I first got it. And for a week or two, I had it. And then because I'm not using it enough, it completely went out of my head. So it is very important. Now, I'd love to. I think, Michael, you're right. It would be great if we could all learn it off. But I think because we don't use it that often, you learn it off and then you will forget about it. But what you need to do, I think that tip, of putting it into your phone is a good one or put it into the notes or the reminders or somewhere have it in your phone because we all go nowhere without our phone because if there is an emergency and you need your air code you'll have your phone with you obviously if you're ringing somebody uh, and you'll be able to instantly have access to the air code rather than try to work out did I put it in that drawer or did I file it away with all the other documents or is it at the back of the cupboard you just, you just know where you put the piece of paper. So thank you for that, and Michael. And absolutely, you are right. It is really important with the air ambulance. If, God forbid, the air ambulance needs to get to you, they need to pinpoint where you are. 1850-333-103. Lines open. Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. Now this week's budget set aside 2.3 billion euro for housing with 1.25 billion euro package to deliver 10,000 new local authority uh, units in 2019. The Finance Minister Pascal Donoghue said the funding reflects the government's determination to do more to rise to the challenge of providing homes for people. So it's surprising to hear that there's a delay with building social houses in Kinsale. And joining me with the story is Independent Councillor Alan Coleman. Good morning to you, Alan. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, and, and you're welcome. What the, the background here, where are these houses uh, due to be built and how many houses? Well, there are 40 social houses to be built in Kinsale, um, near the Soilia Centre, near the, the community school and in that side of town there, on county council lands, by Cluid, which is a voluntary housing agency, it has full planning permission and has gone to tender. A builder has been appointed and 
in these situations, the same as the local authority, funding is got from the National Housing uh, Agency, which is the body that the department uses to fund social housing. And in a bizarre, what I consider a bizarre situation, the tenders came in in August. The, the project is around nine million. They applied to the National Housing Agency. Obviously, they had been dealing with the executive of the National Housing Agency all the time. It came before the board of the housing agency in mid-September, I think the 14th of September. And because it's an, a project that's more than €5 million, Euro, the board needs three weeks' notice of such an application, whereas they had only got two weeks' notice. Oh, now, this, now, now, this is not the housing association. They, they knew about it, the executive, but the board itself needs three weeks' notice. And the next board meeting is until the end of October. Now, we called them. We, our local municipal district, has written to the minister and said, look, get the board to meet. You know, all of the, all of the board is appointed by the minister. And I think this is a classic example of, of the, the problem in delivering social housing. We had a debate a few weeks ago on the council, uh, a motion of no conscience in the government's policy on, on social housing. I didn't support it because I think the government policy is good. Plenty of money, as you saw yesterday good idea build social houses the problem is delivery there is no the political system the media and the public realize there's an emergency in housing but some of the agencies that are actually the, involved in the day-to-day delivery of it just don't seem that they're, they're operating on a business as usual situation as if there's no emergency there's no panic we do things the same as we always did them it always took we always need a three weeks' notice for, for any project over five million, so it continues to be done. But, but three weeks' it, notice for what? I mean, you've clearly outlined that it's gone to tender, the builder has been appointed, all the planning permission has been done, so all the paperwork that goes with all of those processes are in place. Yes, and I can assure you, Claude and the National Housing Association and, 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 the, and the, 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 the National Finance Agency have been in touch with each other all the time. I mean, they wouldn't have gone this far unless they were getting the money. But technically, apparently, the board is supposed to get three weeks' notice. Or even to do what? What do they need three weeks to, to for? Rubber, to rubber stamp a decision of their own executive. It's, it's bizarre. But this is a classic example of just the system is not responding like as if we're in an emergency. Yeah. It's just same, same old, same old. We always did it this way. We always needed three weeks' notice. And like that, this is why there's so slow delivery. It's not that there's no money, it's not that there's no... But, but the political will at the top has to get onto these agencies and say, we have to cut through the red tape. We just have to cut through the red tape. Particularly when it seems to be just red tape for the sake of having red tape. For the sake, yeah. obviously. For and these, and told you about these, there were, are they three-bedroomed family units? Is there's, that a mix, the plan? Um, there's a mixture of three, I think there's a small number of four, three-bed and two-bed, mainly three wow. and two-bed. Fantastic. I mean, Kinsale hasn't had new social housing, a new scheme since I've been a councillor. It's that long. And any house that comes up for offer in the choice-based letting in Kinsale, there's between there's well over hundred people apply for every house. Snap, well snapped up every, immediately. And, and, because and, I, I, I take mean, it like every other council area, you have a long waiting list in Kinsale. Of course, of course, yeah. it, it, it's very long. And like we have a builder, local builder, who's ready and waiting. Brilliant. Please, that builder is now wondering: Is this what's going to happen here? They were ready to move, ready to rock, and for what is an absolute red tape situation. 
the, the, the National Finance Agency were well aware of this. Their executive knew all about it. It was just a rubber stamp at a board meeting. And what's worse, the board isn't meeting for six weeks and they wouldn't reconvene a week later to get this thing through. I mean, that, and that, that just shows that... There's so no when does the board... When, when, the board now meets again when? The end, I think it's the, the end of October. There's a six-week gap between the two meetings. It's frustrating to the... To the I mean, it's unbelievably frustrating. And, and you, you'd have to feel for the builder as well, because obviously he's all ready to go, and he's obviously not taking on any other big job when he's got a big job like this to do. I, I know that's you know it's it's, it's frustrating. I, I mean it's unbelievable. There's been a little litany of, of delays on this project, but it just shows that every little step of the way, a little technicality can hold it back six weeks. Another technicality somewhere. This is why the delivery of public housing by public bodies is taking so long. Because of issues it's like shameful. This, it's shameful. No and the plan right. and the plan would be that once they turn the sod and start building, how long before uh, twelve months? Tom, twelve months. Okay. About it, you know, oh, right, they, 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 people would be moving in this time next year, yeah. in time for next Christmas. Bless for their Christmas, hearts, and it'll be be a know, great yeah. Christmas present for them. But it's shocking. It's shocking to think that there's any kind of delays. It's, it's, an, it's a needless. Yeah, needless it is. Delay. But it is. It, jo- it is a, a, a small issue that shows what's happening nationally. It, the, the people that are delivering at a national level still have have to go through all of the little hoops that have been put in place. You know, in, uh, they're kind of they're, they're they're at the altar of openness, transparency, but not they're not at the altar of delivery. Get out there and do it. That's what we need. Okay, well, well done for okay. highlighting it. I mean, I think by highlighting these cases, hopefully they'll buck up and the next yeah. um, one that comes before the board that they won't need is. And I just can't understand why they would need three weeks on something that they have been working on and something that they're very well aware of, as you say, knowing that we have a crisis. Just while we have you on the line, um, Alan, our attention has been drawn to something that we did uh, a number of weeks ago with residents in Belgooli. They've been concerned about the speed of motorists yes. uh, to the village. And they have action themselves in terms of the residents. And they're matching 50-50 with Cockney Council. And very shortly, we'll be seeing speed signs going up there that indicate the speed you're travelling at, yeah. which I think will be a great help. Which, well, locally, they feel it will be a good help in, in the speed situation. Uh, that's the kind of short-term solution. But in fairness, the local community, you know, put their money where their mouth is. In, if you need speed signs, you know, speed-activated signs, 50% of the funding comes from the local community, and there's no problem that's available. That's going to happen this autumn now. But I think the long-term solution in Belgooli is an enhancement. Um, we all engineers have been looking at it. <clears throat> There's just too much open space, too much tarmac. It's too much of a big road with a village around it rather than a road going through a village as such. So um, my, my aim in Belgooli is that we would get a renewal scheme there and we tighten up the road a bit as well, get a bit more space for people walking for the public um, so that you have a, a kind of a fair situation between public and, and, and the motorist which I think is very much uh, in the motorist's favour in Belgooli it's all tarmac I mean, if you, if you, I'm sure you know the village I do yeah people need to slow down though they really oh, they so, to someone's going to be killed actually John Paul has sent me in some audio now I haven't heard this this is my first time hearing it it's a piece of audio that went up on the uh, Belgoolies, their own one of their own Facebook pages, where they've been highlighting the, bound, the, bound, uh, the speeding. Okay, yeah. okay they're speeding. This is a mother, um, a Belgooli mother speaking. We got to the median of the road. I had checked. There was nothing coming. 
and as I was just like stepping onto this half of the road and the, I have a buggy and two kids walking to school so they're about a foot in front of the buggy so as we were literally onto this half of the road a truck came up over the brow of the hill I hadn't seen him as we'd been on the crossing he clearly hadn't seen us and it became apparent very quickly that he wasn't going to stop um, he wasn't slowing down I don't think he'd even seen my son and he was about a foot in front of the buggy I let a blood curdling scream out I couldn't even say his name I couldn't even think of what his name was but I screamed and it luckily stopped him and he was about a foot away from being killed my god oh, yeah, god that's sca- that is frightening that is frightening alright so if you're going through Belgooley would you slow it down please but well, well done the, to the, the residents the, the primary responsibility obviously is to the driver and, and, and you know but, but we as a local authority have a responsibility as well I suppose to create the right environment to make it safer for people to walk and, and you know to create a nice ambience in the village so that that's that's all said but the primary responsibility is for drivers to just try and slow down and, and, and accept you know there's a pedestrian crossing there and they should respect it Okay, were you happy overall with the budget, with what was announced on the housing, leaving aside the delays for Kinsale, but having 10,000 new social houses yeah. in 2019, do you think that that will happen? I think the, the funding is there, but uh, unless I, I believe there's a government decision taken to 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 direct the people delivering it and to tell them straight out, this is an emergency, we want you to cut corners. And that, that has to be done, like corners will have to be cut in terms of how things are approached, because public procurement at the moment is so pernickety, it is so slow. We have a situation in, in one of the housing, not, not in our area, but another where architects pulled out of a job because the advertisement had been more than six months previous for the, for the architects. The whole thing had to start again. They just couldn't pick the second architect that was on the list. These type of, of regulations have to be stood down while the emergency is on. And that, I think that is what will deliver housing to us. Yeah. I, I do believe the funding is there. It's to allow to allow the people that are delivering social housing to go ahead and do it. Yeah, because of the emergency, we need to because, look at yeah, yeah, because, we and we need to look at it differently because yeah. it's a crisis and because it's an emergency for, the, for a two-year period. Yeah, you, you know, we and can then we can avoid the checks and balances, and then go back to the old way of doing things yeah. if that's the way yeah. you want. All right, okay. all right. Listen, Alan, thank you for that, um, and Thank thanks you. for joining us. Uh, good morning to you. And we were just talking with Councillor Alan Coleman about red tape and delays that they're being fi- that's been th- they're facing in Kinsale in order to get uh, forty houses built uh, by. The housing agency clue with Councillor Paul Hayes from Clonakilty has contacted us. Good morning to you, Paul. Hi, uh, you, you, you agree with Alan and, and you've come across similar cases and is it all stemming back to the National Housing Agency? Again, yeah, uh, hugely frustrating. I, I'd agree wholeheartedly with uh, my council colleague there, uh, Alan Coleman. Um, yeah, again, we, we've had projects um, in, in Clonakilty and other parts of West Cork. Um, again, I'm, I'm thinking of Beach Grove Estate. It's, it's an estate of over 50 houses planned for, for Clonakilty. And again, back in um, July 2014, over four years ago, um, the Council Architects Department uh, presented us, uh, councillors, at one of our meetings with, with plans, designs, the whole lot layout and, uh, of, of, uh, of the estate. And, and again, four years on, we, we still haven't broken ground. We, we still haven't got a site notice up on, on, the, uh, on, on the site, on the field, you know. And uh, again, look, we're, we're hoping that by year end, we will have uh, made a start. Like, but again, I mean, it's just hugely, hugely frustrating for, you know, for for people on the waiting list, for ourselves who are listening to, you know, people at risk of homelessness, and even in West Cork, there are people, you know, in emergency housing, you know, and uh, 
it's, it's desperate. They, they just, they doesn't, you know, we hear the government calling out about all the amount of money and that's really welcome, 2.6, uh, 2.3 billion euro, absolutely welcomed. But there just doesn't seem to be this sense of urgency. That's completely lacking. Again, yeah. Yeah, every every housing meeting, we, we bring it to their attention. And as I said, I mean, look, I, I'll, I'm, I'm reasonable enough. I, I welcome any uh, government initiative to, to increase funding for housing. But, I mean, some of the stuff the other day was re-announcing old money you know, there's 75 million announced last year for affordable housing. Not not one house was built out of that uh, 75 million. So that's all back in the pot again for 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 next year. Um, as I said, it's all over the place. Uh, same in Court McSherry. Like uh, over three years ago, we we had um, the council took a decision to um, to, to to change uh, instead of having. Uh, service sites for sale that people could build on because there was no interest uh, during the recession. Uh, we changed that plan to build 15 social houses. Again, plans done, uh, council-owned land, no problem. Um, and again, it'll be at least next year before there's a start made in that. Oh. Again, that has a huge impact on the like local we, area. Yeah, like you know, we, don't want any, things, yeah. we don't want any corners cut with the building of the houses because God knows we saw that uh, mm. back in the Celtic Tiger. But, you know, well, the dotting of the I's and the crossing of the T's, you can do that a little bit quicker. There's just Absolutely, no need yeah. Uh, yeah, for again, these delays. Yeah, or, these were all zoned uh, the, uh, zoned land, you know, that was council owned. It was always going to be council housing yeah, yeah. Uh, built on it. But yeah, hugely frustrating. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, thank you for that, Paul. And thanks for contacting thanks, us. Uh, good morning to you. 1850 We're going to take a break in the next hour. Uh, we didn't get to chat about Clonakilty becoming the first ever autism friendly town. We'll get to that in the next hour, along with the dangers posed to young people by using illegal anabolic steroids. Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Now this week, the town of Clonakilty was recognised as the country's first official autism-friendly town with the hope that it will act as a blueprint for other areas around the country. To talk about what this status means and to discuss the work of a recently launched service for children with autism in the area, I'm joined from Sensational Kids by Elaine Baldwin, who is a senior speech and language therapist. Good morning to you, Elaine. Good morning, Patricia. And you, and you are welcome. What did the town of Clonakilty have to do to become an autism-friendly town? Um, I suppose initially um, we've had some involvement with, as with Sensational Kids in the, I suppose, the journey for Clonakilty to become the first autism-friendly town. And it was begun um, by As I Am, that organisation, and Scally Supervalue in Clonakilty. So they launched this project to get Clonakilty as the first autism-friendly town in the country. So they took that lengthy journey and there was a lot of work put in. And through all their hard efforts, eventually Clonakilty received that status. So it's been a fantastic week in Clonakilty and we can see the signs up in the town. Brilliant. So it's fantastic to see. And just on a practical level, what does it mean for for families who are living with autism? I think really, you know, the recognition um, that autism affects so, so many families. And I think it has just really been such a help for um, Clonakilty to be able to support families further because Scallies did start the initiative several years ago to support autism-friendly shopping. They were um, probably I, one of the first in the country were, to do that, yeah. They, they, they were indeed. And I think really from 
from that point and the inception of, of those ideas, I think families will just really receive a lot more support for their children and for themselves to, I think, make life easier and bring more recognition um, for autism. And, and I know something like 25% of local businesses and voluntary organisations, including people like the GAA, uh, all got involved in training and just for them to have a better understanding, because for parents with a child on the uh, autism spectrum, social isolation, uh, Elaine, is a huge problem. Absolutely. Um, and I think that it is something that impacts, you know, all day, every day. It is something that really, really can, you know, children aren't able to potentially access um, those social outlets to the same extent. And there are lots of barriers in place, you know. So I think for clinicality to have a much greater awareness of autism and the impact that that has, does have, you know, on families, it has opened a lot of doors for those children. Yeah, well done, well done. Yeah. And as I mentioned in my introduction, let's hope it does act as a blueprint and others follow suit. OK, tell me about Sensational Kids. You've only recently opened in uh, Clonakilty, uh, but the organisation has been in existence for about 10 years, is it? It has, that is correct. So just to tell you a little bit, Sensational Kids is a registered charity which it was founded on a social enterprise model. And what we aim to do is to provide early intervention therapy services to those children, such as children who present with autism, but also to children with additional needs. Um, So it was founded in 2008 um, by Karen Lee, who at that time really was just frustrated by the lack of accessible and affordable services for her own children. So after a lot of fundraising and a lot of efforts, it opened its doors in 2010 in Kildare. And its aim was to bridge the gap between the public and private services. And we hear so, so much about the lengthy, lengthy waiting list. So I suppose it has been fantastic that Sensational Kids, since it opened its doors in 2010, has provided therapy and intervention services to almost 5,000 children over that period of that's, time. Uh, and that's incredible. Yeah. As you say, it isn't just um, children with autism. You will also work with other children. Ab- absolutely. Um, we work with children with a variety of additional diagnoses. So, as you mentioned, autism, children with Down syndrome, children with, I suppose, dyspraxia. So here we have occupational therapy as well as speech and language therapy and play therapy. But there are also children who they don't necessarily have a confirmed diagnosis they just need a little bit of additional support and they're the children who very frequently fall through the cracks absolutely absolutely and the frustration that is felt by their parents is just on on a different level Uh, it really is so what age group of children therefore do you work with essentially we work with a pediatric caseload but basically zero to 18 you know that is that that is our age range we see a lot of children for early intervention services so some of the youngest children that I would see would be between 16 and 18 months old because you know early identification of potential difficulties is so so important and unfortunately even if a difficulty is recognized at that stage the waiting lists are still there so the earlier we get in with therapy the better the outcome um, but we have a lot of school going children so between the ages of let's say 5 to 10 and also we do see teenagers as well so we, we cross the whole board well in done. Terms well of done. The age range. and how is the service funded? The service is funded through 
complete fundraising. So we receive absolutely no government funding. So we rely on donations. We run our own continuous professional development workshops to raise funds so that we actually can subsidise the service because I suppose it's good to be able to provide accessible services and affordable services, but we have to do all of that work ourselves. Now, luckily for um, Clannacilty, we did receive um, €45,000 grant from the Dormant Accounts Fund. And that has enabled us to get to the point where we've opened a 10,000 square feet multidisciplinary state-of-the-art service here. So that's, you know, day-to-day we rely on donations and we rely on the public to support us. So we'll continue to strive to do fundraising so that we are able to continue to provide that subsidised service. And have you any workshops coming up that you can give a plug to? We do, absolutely. Um, We have a programme of events that's on the way. And I suppose the first thing that we can say with regard to awareness is we're running a drop-in clinic, occupational therapy and speech and language therapy, so that parents can come in and they can just ask occupational therapist or myself as speech and language therapist any question or any query that they may have. And that runs on Wednesday mornings from 10 to 12 and on Thursday evenings from 6 to 8. We also have on Tuesday evening, this Tuesday coming, October the 16th, we have an introduction to our centre here in Clannacilty, which is open to teachers and principals, resource teachers, so that we will happily talk through the services that we provide and show us around, show people around our centre. Um, we have our official launch on the 16th of November. We have talks from both myself, speech and language therapy and occupational therapy in November and in December. And also there's Alex Kelly Social Skills Workshop is coming up in November, um, which is being held in Fernhill house hotel here in Clon. But if there are any queries in relation, we have quite an extensive programme, so that is just a snippet. But if there are any queries, we're contactable here by phone. Um, so our phone number here is 023-887-8208. So we're very... And do, do children get referred to you, uh, Elaine, or can, p- can parents just come in and talk to you? Um Essentially, we operate an open referral system, so we do not require a GP letter. We do not require an existing diagnosis or referral. Parents are able to ring up that phone and make a referral, even if a child doesn't present with the diagnosis. And we are happy for those children to come in. We discuss the case. And at that point in time, we can take it from there and work with parents and children until their goals are achieved. And we're not time bound. So no, we're not bound by short therapy blocks. We can keep working until the goals are achieved. Well, that makes you quite an exceptional service, I can tell you that. Listen, uh, listen, it's brilliant. Uh, Continued good luck with Sensational Kids in Clonakilty, Elaine. And uh, thank you for joining us on the programme this morning. You're very, very welcome. Good good morning to you. Bye-bye. Elaine Baldwin, Senior Speech and Language Therapist, Sensational Kids in Clon. There is a fantastic service, I have to say. And well done once again to everybody involved in Clonakilty and becoming the first official uh, autism-friendly town uh, and here's hoping that others uh, will will take their lead. OK, some of your thoughts coming in to us. Oh, a quick mention um, to this thing as we were talking about Clannacilty um, just there. Uh, due to circumstances beyond our control, this is some citizen information, the mobile unit due to be in Clannacilty tomorrow, but unfortunately due to circumstances beyond their control, it won't be in Clannacilty. It'll now be in Bandon instead at the Riverview Shopping Centre tomorrow, Friday, and then it's in Bandon across next 
next week again from Monday the 15th to Thursday the 18th. But if you're planning on popping in Citizens Information in Clonakilty tomorrow, you're going to have to make the journey to Bandon instead. We spoke about the air code earlier and how important it is to know your air code. Do you know your air code? Where did you put that piece of paper that arrived in the post telling you your air code? Did you stash it away in such a safe place that you can't find it? And God knows, haven't we all done that? The famous one is the passport. So many people have put a passport away for safekeeping and then when you need to dig out the passport, you can't find it. Very same thing seems to be happening with the air code. Mary in Westcock says, Patricia, we use our air code all the time. Well done, Mary. Uh, we use it for all the different couriers that call to us delivering packages from all over the world. We also use it on all letters that we post now. We have our air code also written into our phones and also we have a copy of it on the fridge door at home. We find it very handy to use now to be honest. Here's where you can find your air code for those people who have lost that piece of paper that arrived in the post with their air code on it. You can go to www.aircode.ie and just go to the finder page and everyone will be able to find their own because every house has a unique air code number. Thank you for that Mary uh, who says hope it helps. It does indeed. Aircode.ie If you haven't if I've put the thought into your head now you don't know where your air code is uh, keep a look out go and find it please and hi Patricia good idea also for older people who have a house phone is to put a sticker with the number on the back of the phone I had to use it myself and when asked for my air code I was simply able to look at the back of my phone and there it was I was so glad I had it may I say it was actually my little granddaughter that told me to do it she'd learned about it in school thanks Patricia particularly for reminding other people well, that's a good little trick as well. My one is to it's actually, you know, put it into your actual mobile phone. But if, if you have a landline and, you know, that listener is right. A lot of older people still have the landline. A lot of people are getting rid of the home phone and just move, just working with mobiles. But a lot of older people still like to have uh, the landline. So actually get a sticker, write out your air code and put it onto the home phone. Because if you're in a panic and you're ringing, I mean, it was brought to our attention this morning because of the air ambulance that if an, a, a normal ambulance if you're, tra- if you're in a panic and you're trying to get somebody to come to your house having it and you're on the phone it's right there beside you so certainly that is a, a great uh, tip and well done to that little grandchild passing it on to granny and learning it in school there's, there's a teacher being very very proactive with uh, her children uh, please could you announce that there's a dance in Theo Park tomorrow night uh, music by Dave Ray glad to give that a mention on the budget hi Patricia after listening to the budget this week myself and my husband have come to the conclusion that we'd actually be better off giving up work going on social welfare with fuel allowance back to school allowance medical cards and access to social housing but also if we were by renting a property minimum rent instead of paying a fortune in tax a fortune in rent and having absolutely no access to housing because we can't get a sufficient mortgage it is a joke says this uh, one of our listeners and actually came up yesterday again didn't it somebody else made the very same point that oh no it wasn't it was earlier in the week when we were doing what's your wish list for the budget and somebody told a story of being in their late 30s early 40s married couple working working hard and simply cannot get a mortgage they don't earn enough 
to qualify for a mortgage and they earn too much to be included in social housing. So every single penny that has been earned is going either going out that the rent in that particular case earlier in the week was a thousand euro a month. That's just and then people are afraid when they're renting you people are afraid that they don't have the security that they once had but with a housing crisis there's always that dread that when your contract is up that your landlord might for whatever reason decide I'm not going to renew or I have a daughter coming back from Australia she needs the house and how often have we heard of people becoming homeless so you don't have the security even when you are renting but there is that sense of a divide between those that are working and those that are on social welfare and a number of people have pointed it out following this budget I mean somebody was saying was when you you know they're doing the analysis how much better off you would be with people on social welfare getting the five euro a week it works but workers not all workers in their tax will be getting back five euro a week somebody was saying I think on average somebody on social welfare will end up with 250 euro a year better off isn't a lot of money but a lot of people working that middle income uh, group will only get 200 euro a a euro a a year at the end of the budget thanks to the budget this week and then you add in all the other things like not having access to uh, a medical card uh, etc it is there is a deep, deep sense of frustration out there by a, n- a number of people, I think, who question why are they going to work at all. OK, a couple of scams. We also like to keep you updated on your scams. Hi, Patricia. This is from Dave. Another phone scam for you. I got a message on the phone from a girl saying her name was Emily telling Dave that his broadband has been compromised and it would be cut off tomorrow very kind Emily said please plus one to speak to a technician the phone number was 49091 be aware kind regards says Dave please do not press one you'll be charged I'm sure if you press one you'll probably go into a premium line number and you'll be charged a huge amount and you'll only find out about it when your phone bill comes in so wise wise man says Dave so beware of Emily telling you your broadband has been compromised. And Supervalue, actually, they took to Twitter yesterday to warn people to be aware of a text message uh, scam doing the rounds. The text message claims to offer prizes from Supervalue, which then asks you to share personal data. The supermarket took to Twitter yesterday to say we want to issue a warning uh, after receiving reports from members of the public of a text message scam that claims to offer prizes by asking them to click on the link and take a survey or by sharing personal data. This was not this has not been issued by Supervalue and we advise people to delete the text message if you have received it as it is a phishing scam. Supervalue never send out competitions or data requests by text so please be vigilant and delete the text if you have received it and the retailer want to urge the public to be very cautious. A lot of the other supermarkets, I remember there was one with Tesco there was one with Tesco last year as well where they were trying to get people, they were offering them free Tesco vouchers or a chance to win free Tesco vouchers. And the scam in that particular case turned out to be if you clicked on it, you ended up getting two text messages, two or three text messages, and each text message cost you two euros. So it cost you six euro just to click on the link and you had to quickly opt out because you were going to get the same three text messages every day and every day you would be charged these six euros. So there's, there's variations uh, on it. So you do need to be very, very careful. But that's one from Supervalue at the moment. If you got, got one of those text messages, please delete it. Uh, hi, Patricia, would you please announce there's no bingo in Theo Park 
in Labamalaga tonight. Now, I don't know if that's because of the weather warning they have decided to cancel, but no bingo in Theo Park tonight. C103 Jobs. A PSV driver is required for a school run that's starting in Rathmore area for approximately four hours per day. Griffin's Garden Centre in Dripsy, they've got vacancies for a pastry chef and a baker and a head chef. And a caring person is wanted in the Castle Mart, Castle Magner, Cecilstown area to help with a special needs young adult four to five hours one night per week. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. According to a survey conducted by the Health Products Regulatory Authority, one in ten adults would consider taking anabolic steroids rising to one in five in the 18 to 34 year old age age group who are the most vulnerable to the ripped body beautiful hype. Joining me to discuss this worrying trend is Dr. Katrina Fisher who's Director of Quality Scientific Affairs and Communications at the HPRA. Uh, Good morning to you Katrina. Good morning Patricia. Uh, You you are welcome. Now I suppose start by explaining what are anabolic steroids and what are the potential dangers of using them? Well, anabolic steroids are um, medicinal products that will allow somebody um, who has maybe muscle wastage um, from an illness like cancer or a you know, confined bed and, and their muscles have wasted away and they encourage building of the muscles. So they allow people to gain muscle uh, they have been used, traditionally um, misused by athletes to help enhance their performance in sports. And what has happened over the last number of years is that this misuse has actually then gone into the general population where they are being misused by people in order to gain a kind of an idealized physique, um, particularly by young men, huge pressure on them to look good, to look in a certain way, you know, how a lot of um, a, a muscular uh, physique um, and that's driving the uh, misuse of the anabolic steroids. And what we found through the research is that about half the people we surveyed were unaware or unsure of the side effects of them. And yet one in five of young males would actually consider taking them. God, God, it's scary. OK, talk to me. Talk to me firstly about the side effects. The side effects. So um, the kind of side effects that they can cause, um, they will, uh, they're toxic to the liver and the damaged kidneys and the heart as well. The heart is a muscle. So anabolic steroids actually cause muscle in the heart to grow and that causes um, uh, heart uh, problems. It increases blood pressure and just puts pressure on the heart to actually function and kind of ironically because they're used for appearance some of the side effects also can be acne um, and this is often seen as a telltale sign that somebody is using uh, misusing anabolic steroids is to get quite bad acne and it will also um, precipitate hair loss as well and in men um, they grow breasts as a result of it as well um, longer-term use, there's uh, infertility issues, so they can't have children. Um, another of the telltale signs are the psychological side effects um, that people can get from taking them. 
and there's irritability, mood swings, depression. And what's really telling that it's actually in common use is the fact that there's a term for this, roid rage, which comes from steroid rage. So these are the kind of serious side effects that they can cause, and yet people really don't understand that there are these risks to their health from taking it. Yeah, I'm assuming that the majority of the young young people ha- are totally unaware of the potential dangers. Yeah, and this is why we are running this campaign, because we, w- we want to get across there are real risks. In fact, um, the campaign is called Zero Gains. Um, so we have a website, zerogains.ie, hashtag zero gains, because what we're saying is there are no gains from misusing anabolic steroids. They may be seen as a quick shortcut to gaining this kind of muscular physique, but actually you can do that through, you know, gym work and diet and healthy living. If you do it this way, this kind of shortcut way to it, you are putting your health at risk. And also, um, most of the products that the products that are being used are coming through an illegal supply chain, so they could be falsified. You have actually no guarantee that what it says on the label is what it actually contains. Have no idea. I mean, I'm assuming no what? They're coming in over the internet, is it? Uh, the internet, yeah, would be um, one way they're coming in. And then they're, they're physic- so they're being um, posted in. We work with uh, Revenue Customs. They'll detain packages um, uh, so they don't actually reach the person who has ordered them over the internet. But they've also like physically come in across um, borders into the country as well. Um, so there will be illegal supply chains. Um, uh, people will get them from friends, from dealers, and as you say, over the internet as well. And are they, do you inject them into yourself? Um, there are oral um, steroids, but what happens is, is that takers of them go on then to inject. And then they're into the whole issue of uh, needles and needle exchanges. So the needle exchange services are actually seeing people who are misusing anabolic steroids come in looking to exchange needles and to to, uh, dispose of their needles. And they don't even see themselves as drug users, but they are taking often not just one, but a number of drugs together. Um, And they're, you know, getting into this whole cycle of taking them and the euphoria that comes with it and also... The, the body bulking that they're getting, this kind of quick response to it, um, which keeps them doing it. And I'm assuming once they stop taking them then, that ripped body look disappears, does it? Uh, it, it will indeed. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's been built up. Um, and I was looking at the figures of the number of seizures of illegal yeah. anabolic steroids. And my God, just in the last three years, how it's it's gone up and up and up. I mean, this is... I mean, that's just on what's been seized. Indeed. So they've gone up more than uh, tenfold um, between 2015, it's about 40,000 units. And in 2017, which is the last year that we have full figures for, it was over 400,000 dosage units. So we're working with the Gardaí and, as I say, with Revenue Customs. So we do joint operations with the Gardaí um, to stop the supply and we will take prosecutions. We've taken about 10 prosecutions over the last couple of years. And four, uh, sorry, six of them 
um, have gone through the court system with either a guilty plea or a conviction. So those who are actually supplying then have a criminal record from, from this activity, which is illegal. A listener wants to know, would parents of um, the, the age group that we were talking about, would they notice anything to indicate that their son, or could even be a daughter, uh, was using them? I think things to look out for, um, maybe somebody starts going to the gym, but very quickly, they look like they have toned their muscles and grown muscle mass. Um, if that's done very quickly, that's a telltale sign that it's not being done just by, you know, gym work, strengthening work in the gym. Um, mood swings and that irritability going with it and um, possibly acne as well. People who don't want to show that they've got acne, you know, on the, on their body will stay covered up because of it. Um, so those are the kind of things to look out for. OK, and in the meantime, I, I took your website's excellence, uh, zerogains.ie. Uh, just direct people to if, if you are worried about anyone who you think or you know is taking anabolic steroids, get them to take a look at zerogains.ie. Absolutely. Um, there's some very striking imagery there to try and get across the real risks in taking these. But there's also a support section. So go to that section and you see there's a number of um, support services that can be accessed. OK, well done. Well done. Good luck with the campaign. Right, thank you um, very Katrina, much. And thank you for joining us on the programme. Good morning to you. That is Dr. Katrina Fisher, Director of Quality, Scientific Affairs and Communication at the HPRA, zerogains.ie. Take a look at it. it it's, it's frightening stuff. It really is frightening stuff when you look at what is believed to be the amount of young people that are taking anabolic steroids. They haven't got a clue what they're pumping into themselves. They really don't. Anne, uh, Anne in Ballinora, thank you for your call. Anne, your waterfall got one of the broadband st- scam calls this morning. They seem to be targeting the Cork area. It was exactly as was described earlier by another one of our listeners uh, where the person said press at one. Our uh, original caller, Dave, said it was a girl named Emily Kate has been on to say I had that phone call as well from Emily busy girl this morning is our Emily but the number was 62030 different to the one that Dave was given yeah they're just using all different uh, numbers watch out for Emily says Kate and by the way Emily is a, a, probably a recorded a voice just telling you something's gone wrong with your broadband it's been compromised and uh, you're going to get cut off so you need to press one uh, to talk to a, a technician and of course do not press one because you will end up then on a premium site which will end, cost you a fortune so please be careful 1850 remember to keep your pet questions coming in please because uh, Jane Pickett our resident vet will be joining us after 12 o'clock today also after 12 o'clock today we'll be looking to play another round of our competition with Dano Centro and Maxwell Sport Glen Mallow celebrating 30 years serving the community we're playing my shopping list game where I'll be giving you a list of items on my shopping list and you've got to try in 30 seconds to remember as many of them as possible and the winner today again will win a 100 euro Centra Dano Centra gift card and a 50 euro Dano Maxwell gift card uh, card running that competition every day this week and let me talk of competitions for a minute because tomorrow it is a spooky town Friday we have a free family pass Friday for the family friendly spooky town on C103 now the spooky town is at Fota Island Resort and it's a fantastic 
day out if you're you're planning a visit for Halloween and we will be giving away family passes tomorrow and one of our winners gets bumped up to an extra special prize. There's a sound effect for tomorrow. I'm just going to play it now to get you to get used to this. <laughs> As the cackle of the witch. When I play that tomorrow, we'll be playing it each and every hour. That would be your cue to call and your chance to win in association with uh, SpookyTown.ie on a spooky Friday at Fota Island Resort. We will do that tomorrow. 1850-333-103. Lines open. Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See Breedhaven.ie. C103. Hi, I'm Simon Murdoch. Join me for the all new Cork's More Music Breakfast on C103. I'll bring you all you need to know every morning and plenty of Cork's greatest hits. Turn on C103 and wake up with me. The all new Cork's More Music Breakfast. Weekday, 6 to 10. Only on C103. We are going to Clonakilty Garda Station for this week's Crime File, where I'm joined by Garda Trina O'Mahony. Good morning to you, Trina. Good morning. And, and you are welcome. You want to start with Gardia McCroom, Garda Station, investigating an incident. That's right, Patricia. This is a criminal damage incident the Gardia McCroom are investigating, which occurred sometime between the 7th and the 8th of October at Mill Street Road in McCroom. And there it was discovered actually that the defibrillator box had been damaged and also the key for it had been stolen. So needless to say, the Gardia McCroom are anxious to establish a culprit for that incident. And if anyone has any information, they can contact the Guardian at McCroom on 026-20590. I tell you, when I hear these stories of somebody damaging one of these defibrillators, it's just the stupidity of it. They never know when they or a family member might be in need of a defibrillator to save their lives or a family member's life. Do they ever stop and think Absolutely. about that? Absolutely. I mean, the, the consequences really of such an incident don't even need explanation. Um, yeah. it, it's unthinkable, really. The machine the machine wasn't damaged, though, was it? That's right. Thankfully, the machine itself remained intact. But, Good. you know, of course, we're still anxious to establish the, the culprit for that. OK, so if anybody... So it was the 7th and 8th of... Um, October. So that's Sunday into Monday, exactly. uh, if anybody yeah. spotted anything. OK, you've got some thefts you want to report. Yes, um, Gardaí at Bandon Garda Station are investigating a theft which occurred in the Brinney area sometime between 11 and 11.30pm on the 7th of October 2018. During that incident, a spool of electrical cable was stolen from a commercial site there. Um, we're just anxious that if anyone saw anything suspicious anywhere in that area on the 7th of October, which would have been last Friday evening, that they would contact the Guardian at Bandon, please, in relation to that. And they can be contacted at 023-885-2200. OK, moving to McCroom. That's right. Um, in McCroom, the Guardian are investigating theft of a number of garden ornaments from a garden in the Gertine Row area there. This incident... Incident, excuse me, sorry Patricia, this incident occurred sometime overnight between the 5th and 6th of October and um, the items taken there could be very easily identifiable I would imagine they are described as three metal swan ornaments they're about three feet in height and they're described as being kind of a greeny brown colour so if anyone saw anything suspicious in or around that area on that date or indeed have been offered such object, objects for sale please contact the Gardaí at McCroom there uh, again, and again, another kind of a mean crime because people take such pride in their gardens. And I mean, uh, three feet high, they're big garden ornaments. You, they would have needed transport. Absolutely. That's right, Patricia. OK, you've got some property you want to make listeners aware about. 
That's right. A sum of money was found and handed into the Gardaí Clonic Kilty Guard Station on the 21st of September last. So if anyone in the area has lost a sum of money in around that date, um, if they could contact the Gardaí Clonic Kilty, that would be great. We're, of course, anxious to get that back to its rightful owner, if we can at all. And some online shopping advice for listeners? That's right. Um, I suppose we don't want to be mentioning Christmas too soon, <laughs> but we're conscious that people will be engaging in a lot of online um, shopping over the coming months in their preparations for the Christmas period. So we just wanted to highlight some golden rules to the listeners, I suppose, in respect of safe online shopping, some do's and don'ts. Um, I suppose the do's, firstly, um, always make sure that you buy from a source that you trust and use brands and uh, and shops will say that you are already familiar your with or that you've used before. And if you're buying from individual sellers on sites, we'll say like eBay or Amazon, make sure that you check the rating of those individual sellers before you make your purchase. Um, also, make sure that you have control in respect of any reoccurring charges. So, for example, if you before you supply your card details to pay for a continuous service over the internet, make sure that you know how to stop that service so you can maintain control over the payments. Um, thirdly, think twice before you give any e-merchants permission to save your card payment details. Many sites will ask you to st- if you want them to be stored, so make sure you understand any of the risks that this might imply if you do agree to that. Um, also, use credit cards when purchasing online. Um, they mostly would have a, a policy, a, a strong customer service protection policy, should I say. And if you don't get what you ordered, you're often able to get your money back from, from your credit card company. Um, make sure that you look for the padlock symbol on the top of the left-hand side of the URL bar. Um, what that means is that all communications between your browser and the website will be encrypted. And finally, in the do department, always save all documents relating to your online purchases. So you need need them later to establish terms and conditions of the sale or to prove indeed that you have paid for the goods later on. Okay, so from Um, the do's to the don'ts? From the do's to the don'ts. um, If you're not buying a specific product or service online, don't ever submit your credit card details. I suppose that almost goes without saying, but just to remind your listeners about that. When purchasing something online from another person, don't send money up front to the seller. If possible, reserve the right to receive the goods first. Don't send money to anyone that you don't know. If someone approaches you online and asks for money, I suppose think whether you would give the same amount of money to an unknown person on the street. Um, Never, ever send your card number, PIN or any other card information to anyone via email. And avoid doing your online shopping at sites that don't use full authentication. Um, that being that they be verified by Visa or Mastercard, sorry, Mastercard Secure Code, and never send your card details to unencrypted emails. Okay, and you can get all of that information that um, Katrina's just uh, just outlined on the Garda website, uh, www.garda.ie. We have a storm coming this evening, uh, Trina. We're already warning people to be very careful, batten down the hatches and only make journeys if it's absolutely necessary. Winter months, take a look at your car, make sure that it's everything's working properly. Absolutely. I suppose just to remind your listeners again to check their cars coming into the winter months, check the tyres, windscreen wipers, lights, etc. And ensure that your vehicles are winter ready. Um, also, make sure that you have a torch and a high visibility jacket in your car ahead of the long evenings and bad weather, which, as you say, we can expect imminently and indeed over the coming months. Okay, all right. Uh, thank you for that, uh, Katrina. Oh, before you go, you want to give a quick mention to a community alert meeting? 
That's right, Patricia. There will be a community alert meeting at the Coachford GAA Hall at 7.30pm on Tuesday, the 16th of October. And the Guardian Coachford are anxious that we let your listeners know and it's hope that they might see some new faces there as well um, on the 16th, that is, at 7.30pm. Uh, OK, um, uh, so that's next Tuesday, isn't it? It's the 16th. That's right. God, 16th already. And my apologies, you're Sergeant Trino Manny. I am indeed. Sorry, my apologies. I called you. <laughs> I called you guard at the start. Sergeant Trino Manny. Thank you for that. Based at Clonakilty Guard this station. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk again soon. Take Thank care. You bye bye. You're listening to the best of Cork today on replay on C103 Cork. Uh, Kay has an interesting point. We've had some people who are working and who see themselves very much as the squeezed middle, the people who are at work, who can't, not earning enough to qualify for a mortgage, but earning too much to qualify for social housing. So they're kind of stuck in the rental market. And with rents going up, they're finding it almost impossible. Certainly, they're never going to see themselves in a situation where they're going to be able to buy uh, a property, not with the amount that they're paying out on rent. They wouldn't have a hope, for example, of even saving for a deposit. That's if they could even get the bank to agree to give them a, a, a mortgage big enough for them to buy a property. And they feel they're paying for everything. They feel if they go to the doctor, they're paying for that. If they're paying, um, you know, for their medication. And there's this kind of a view that we're getting in from some people, workers against people who are on social welfare and saying the budget seems to be all about giving to the people on social welfare. What about us that are working and we got little or nothing? Well, there's been some reaction from people on social welfare, including Kay, to say, hi, Patricia, to the people that are saying they will be, be- that they are better off after the budget giving up work and going on social welfare. Well, I say to them, I'm a 71-year-old. I worked, I paid my taxes all my working life and thank God I've got good health to do so. I wish I was that age again and that I was back at work. Uh, Be very thankful that you're able to get out to work and that you have a job. There are many of us who can't. Thank you, Patricia, for a great programme. Thank you uh, for that. And someone else taking very much a similar view was a call into John Paul from John in Cove and who, who, who says those people that are saying that they're working and they're giving out about those of us that live on uh, social welfare. Well, let me tell you, says John in Cove, what it is like to live on social welfare. You scrape by every single day. Yes, we might have our medical card, but that extra fiver that got mentioned on Tuesday that remember we won't get until next uh, March. I'm just waiting to see. Uh, they'll put up something else and I'll lose my fiver. In particular, I'm waiting on a letter from Cork County Council telling me I'm getting a rent increase due to the extra fiver. So I would challenge anyone listening that is working and earning a decent wage to go on welfare and then walk in our shoes and you will see how hard it is. So that's, I suppose, the other side of the coin, even though we did have other people agreeing, um, including, hi, I totally agree with the text that said you'd be better off on the dole, dole. When I look at my own children working hard and getting nothing, they never ask for anything. It was certainly a budget of two halves. The poor working guys and gals got nothing while those on social welfare seem to get uh, everything. That's in by WhatsApp. Actually, also in by WhatsApp. And this has intrigued me. And we're looking into it. Thank you, Robbie and Bantry, for this. And I know John Paul. I've put John Paul on the case to see if we can work out what this is. Robbie and Bantry sent us in a copy of a text message that he received. And he said, 
and the text message is from the HAP scheme and the text message says we acknowledge receipt of your HAP application we will phone you when we are ready to sign you to the scheme HAP unit Cork County Council you may contact us here and then there's a link underneath www.yourcouncil.ie that's all very good nice little text message saying it's in the system and Robbie explains he said I sent a HAP application in a couple of weeks ago and I got that message that he's forwarded on to us I got it back yesterday what concerns me says Robbie is the number that the text message comes from why would it be that number if it's a Cork County Council matter any ideas thanking you says Robbie in Bantry and then I had to click on the text to see the number and it comes from a, a plus four four seven eight six number that I've just done a quick scan and I'm t- it's, it's definitely a, a number in the UK now I don't know if it's a number in Northern Ireland if it's a number in Scotland is it in Wales is it in England I'm not sure but it definitely is a number that has originated from the United Kingdom and Robbie says what prompted him to send it on was he said just listening to you talking about about scams because we are forever warning people when they get text messages or a missed call from a number that they don't recognise particularly an overseas number to just ignore it because a lot of them are scams um, and you're right if I'd got an, uh, had got a similar text like that and it wasn't some you know a family member that lives in England because I would have all their numbers in my phone you'd be slow to open it up for fear that there was some kind of a scam but I've no at, at the moment Robbie I certainly have no explanation but has anybody else noticed that that when they applied for the HAP housing assistance programme isn't it with Cork County Council that whoever is processing the applications I'm assuming that they're they're not in the Republic of Ireland they're somewhere in the United Kingdom I don't know has the work been outsourced and if it has been outsourced to somebody in the United Kingdom what effect is that going to have with Brexit so we're going to look into it just to, but just thank you Robbie well spotted and wondering did anybody else uh, spot it as well Hi Patricia I was listening to you talking about air code yesterday and getting people to make sure that they have their air code. My husband and I often have to visit premises around the country. Customers rarely know their air code. So we have a handy little little app to find the air code. I'm sending you a screenshot. The air code is so good to use on Google Maps and WAZ, W-A-Z-E, to bring you straight to the door. This little app has often saved us time, sanity and our marriage. Kind regards, uh, says uh, Nicola. And she sent a copy of, I can't see, oh, the, it's just an air, oh, it's an actual air code app that you can download, which obviously uh, lets you find everybody else's air code. Is that, is that what it does, uh, Nicola? But it's interesting. I mean, somebody that's in business trying to deliver. And if you are trying to deliver and you can't find the house, I mean, that's where air code is great because it's a unique it's a unique number for everybody's house. And I know certainly here in this building here where the radio station is, John Paul has found the air code for the building particularly useful when we're having guests coming to the studio who have never been here before he straight away says to them you know have you got Google Maps and they say yeah and he says put in this air code number and it literally does bring them right outside the door because before we had the air code people would be ringing they would have passed the end of the road or they were up the road I'm looking at a railway bridge I'm looking at this building I can't see you where are you but since 
John Paul realised that the air code in Google Maps brings you right to the door. Well, I don't think we've had any problem at all. So uh, well done, uh, Nicola. Everybody, please make sure you know your air code, particularly like that when you're getting deliveries. It's it's. Uh, very frustrating for somebody trying to deliver or couriers trying to deliver to you if they can't actually find your house and if you're living in a very rural area it can be hard to actually find out where somebody uh, lives so it is particularly good for that text messages keep them coming by the way for our Danos Centra and Maxwell Spa Glen competition you need to text us now to 086 2103103 along with who you are and uh, who you are and where you live get a text into us and then two of our listeners will be joining us on air to play our competition What's on my shopping list? Somebody was given out yesterday and saying that it didn't get a lot of publicity the amount of extra money that the state broadcaster RTE was given in the budget and why were other people not given out about it? Well I know one group that certainly gave out about it was Virgin Media the group, the former TV TV3 group. RTE in the budget were given an extra 8.6 million euro in funding for 2019 and I know Virgin Media were very annoyed about it and they were making the point that RTE should be held accountable for the 30 million euro losses that they've suffered over the past three years rather than handing them an extra chunk of money. They were very, very annoyed about that. And then I came across a piece it was a couple of weeks ago and I meant to share it, just didn't get a chance to share it with you and it was to do with uh, Den- the communications minister, Dennis Nocton. He was talking about the TV licence fee and he actually indicated that householders, we could actually, they're doing an overhaul at the moment of the TV licence and who should collect it, how we pay it and how much we pay. And he reckons if a proper overhaul is done of the TV licence, that all of us who do pay the TV licence, we actually could get a reduction. Now, I know RTE wouldn't be too pleased about that because RTE at one point earlier this year wanted the TV licence to be doubled. It's €160 at the moment but it is estimated that because not everybody pays it because of TV licence evasion there's about €40 million that's not being collected that should be going into the coffers of RTE and obviously if they were getting the extra money they wouldn't be needing the extra €8.5 that they got from the government in the uh, budget. Now there's plans to revamp how the TV licence is uh, collected but we're going to have to wait they've been talking about this now for quite a good few years and it looks like it'll be at least next year uh, before they take a look at what's going to happen and will the TV licence will it still be the responsibility of um, post? There's a report due back to the Minister and to the Government in March of uh, 2019 but Dennis Nocton was talking about these significant and it is a significant amount of uh, money that could be raised if they managed to get everybody to pay for their TV licence. So he was saying if they got in the 40 million then wouldn't the fairest way be that that's extra money then reduce the price so that RT would still get their money but the people who pay their television licence wouldn't pay as uh, uh, much but uh, an interesting point that, that Dennis Nocton made as communications minister when he was talking about the television licence he says it does need an overhaul because he said we need to look at the way it's paid at the moment and he, he made an interesting point 
he looked at Leinster House and says there are more than a thousand televisions in Leinster House. And he said, we do that for one single TV licence. He said, it's very hard to justify that. He said, many areas need to be examined with regard to how the television licence applied. And that got me thinking, if he's saying that it is in some way wrong, that one television licence will cover all the televisions at Leinster House. Now, Leinster House is a bit unusual in that there is a thousand TVs there. But is he kind of hinting at, at the moment, no matter how many TVs you have in your house, you only pay one licence. That got me thinking, if there's a complete overhaul going on, could it be that they're going to consider that you might get charged for how many televisions you have in your house? It would be another way, certainly, of generating extra money for RTE. And there's very few houses, certainly today, that only have one TV. There was a time where you literally had one TV. And remember uh, back in the day where you had a black and white TV and then the colour came in and there was two different licences. The black and white licence was slightly cheaper than the coloured licence. And TV inspectors used to be going around and if you had a black and white licence, they would ask to see your TV because when people switched over to colour licence, they tried to get away with having the cheaper licence even though they had the colour uh, TV But it was always the case of one licence per household and it didn't matter how many TVs you had. But that was never an issue because most people only had the one. But I'm just getting a bit suspicious with that point being made by Dennis Nocton. Are they going to look at if you have more than one TV, which got me thinking, I mean, I have two, we've three, actually I thought we'd only two, we've three televisions in the house and we don't have any TVs in bedrooms, I don't agree with that but I was driving back from a meeting last night and it was night time and I could see the amount of homes that I passed in bedrooms where there was TVs you know upstairs you could clearly see the the TV flashing on and off so a lot of homes certainly have more than one, two TVs in their house and I'm just wondering how people would feel if they decided to do that as a way of getting in extra money for RTE as a way around the amount of licence invasion if they looked at introducing where you pay per TV uh, in your house rather than just one licence for the entire house. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Uh, bingo tonight in the Maylock Valley Community Hall. They've decided to cancel that due to the weather warning. It will go ahead next Thursday instead. Dairy Gold and the Cork Education Training Board, they have launched a new professional HGV training programme. There will be an open evening for hauliers and prospective participants in Springford Hall in Mallow. That is happening this evening is half past seven and the programme will begin in November. And celebrating the bicentenary of St Brendan's Church, talk by Hazel Vickery on the history of the building of St Brendan's Church Wolfton Square in Bantry will be held at 8 o'clock tonight and that's in St Brendan's Church. Pink Ribbon Day in aid of breast cancer awareness is tomorrow Friday. Ribbon sellers will be collecting at venues throughout Cork City and County and your support would be much appreciated. And the best of luck to everybody taking part in the Mallow Stars in Your Eyes. It goes ahead tomorrow night with proceeds this year going to the Cope Foundation and my canine companion. The, the event takes place in the Arches Bar in Mallow 
and tickets are available from the bar and from all of the contestants. And the Autism Assistant Dogs Ireland are holding an autumn ball this Saturday at Springford Hall in Mallow. A great night of food and entertainment guaranteed. You can book your tickets at 085 875-3280 Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow It's family run so your loved one will feel at home See breedhaven.ie C103 You're listening to the best of Cork today on replay on C103 Cork Water have been back to us to say they were aware of the issue yesterday evening at Connolly Avenue Okay, this was the issue that Ger told us about earlier on and uh, he said they they Irish Water back saying they were aware, and the, an Irish Water c- crew is scheduled to go to Connolly Avenue today to deal with the issues. Now I don't know if they're there at the moment. This is something I imagine we're going to have to get back on to Jur with probably tomorrow morning, uh, just to find out exactly what happened, and hopefully that has been sorted out because he he says they've been without water for a few days. And Anne has been on to us by WhatsApp. This is again, and I hate this, the fact that we've got people who are working up against people who are living on social welfare and one group thinking that they did better out of the budget, another group thinking they didn't do well out of the budget. And says, I worked all my life and I now only have my state pension. That's what I have to live on. I would like to see the people who are complaining about the fiver we received in the budget, which we won't get until March. I would like to see them having to pay for electricity, gas, growth local property tax, your waste disposal, extra medicine. I live on my visa and my local credit union. Simply don't have enough to get by week on week. I would love, I would like to have these people come and live with me and see how they would manage. Also, they should be reminded that they one day will have to live on a state uh, pension. And actually that particular point that Anne makes has been reflected by a number, another, a lot of other, particularly old age pensioners who make the point that they're on a fixed uh, income. They're never in a situation or never in a position that they could go out to work and that they could go out and earn a bit of extra money. They're just stuck on the state pension and that it is very hard to live on it. But the amount of uh, pensioners who say to the people who give out about it saying, you know, one day you too will have to live on a state pension. OK, 1850-333-103. John Paul, taking your calls. If you have a pet question for Jane, please, can you get it into us? Or can you text or WhatsApp a pet question to 0862-103-103? Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. Sunday mornings, C103 brings you interviews with actors and theatre directors, concert news and show reviews, live studio performances and festival roundups, exhibition info and the very latest film news. The Arts House, Sunday mornings, 8 till 10. With Griffin's Potatoes Cork. Planted, picked and produced in Cork. The great taste of home. On C103. Jane uh, Pickett from the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group, joining me in studio. Good afternoon to you. Hi there. And you are very welcome. And with, and I know in a few weeks' time we'll be giving all the advice that we always do at this time of the year about nervous dogs with mm-hmm. Halloween and bangers going off and all of that. But the one worry that and it comes up every single year is when a dog gets a fright he runs off exactly. and they can run many many miles mm-hmm. away when they get a bad fright mm-hmm. microchipping and you need to be thinking about that now not after your dog has bolted yeah absolutely I think 
thinking about it the day or two before Halloween is a little bit too late. I'd really like people to be thinking ahead, thinking if my dog is microchipped, am I sure that my details are up to date? So for example, if I've moved house, have I changed that with the company that does the microchip? Um, And you can speak to your vet and they'll help you out with that. But also if your pet hasn't been microchipped, now is the time to do it. It's very easy. You can pop into your vet and get it done in a console. So just make an appointment with them. But what I would say is get it done now rather than later because getting the chip registered so that if God forbid your little dog or cat does run away, when we scan it, we want the details to be joined up to an address and a telephone number so we can get them back to you as safely and as quickly as possible. And the registration takes a few days to go through. So if you do it now, you'll be in plenty of time. Mm. But the day before Halloween is going to do you no good. Yeah, absolutely. And we know it's important to be on that network right across Europe because when dogs have been stolen and stolen and ended up in other countries Mm -hmm. and they've ended up coming back home. They have done. And I think it's really important to think about the best place to get your get your pet microchipped is either speak to your vet or somebody your vet trusts um, every veterinary practice around the country will be very happy to microchip a pet for you and what I would say is we're very careful about what chips we use and what companies we register with them so every time a pet comes into me lost or into a guard station and gets lost we'll check this website called the europetnet.com and that's the European database so it, it it's kind of a conglomerate of loads of companies that all register with the same database but there are some less good companies that wouldn't necessarily be subscribed to that database and for example I might scan a dog and if it had been chipped by a not so good database um, I would get a number but I wouldn't get any details to go with it and that's really sad because you know that person has gone to the trouble getting their pet microchipped but something has gone by the wayside in between times and I think the best place is just speak to your vet and if you're unsure of your microchip details speak to your vet they'll be able to scan your dog and check the chip details for you. You inject it in, do you? Oh, yeah, you inject yeah. it in only just for one second and then, yeah. then it's done for life. And to be honest, the tiny little pinch they might get in putting the microchip in is it's going to save a massive amount of heartbreak yeah. on your part and their part. Yeah, and there's been great reunions because there of the has. microchip. It's, it's yeah. been great. Now, mm-hmm. uh, Hannah in Roscarbury, bless her heart, is heartbroken. She said, I lost my beautiful cat during the week. I'm heartbroken. She was my constant companion in the house. She died from feline leukaemia. And now I've found out that there's a vaccine to prevent it. But we never knew that. My cat was 13 years old. We only found out when she started to fall over, took her to the vet, and then she was diagnosed with feline leukaemia. I just want to warn others to maybe get the vaccine to prevent it and prevent others going through the heartbreak. How mm. common is feline? Um, and sympathies, Hannah, there's nothing yeah. worse than losing it's a really much of pet. How common mm. is, is feline leukaemia? You know, it's very difficult to know because some patients might carry the virus and, uh, and it may never fully affect them, but or we may never identify it. So sometimes we just see it as a depressed immune system, so they might be a lot more prone to infections and become ill. And as they get a little bit older in age, we might not necessarily diagnose them as the first port of call with feline leukaemia. Um, but sometimes it can be underneath the surface waiting to let's say jump out in a moment of stress and cause a little bit more problems and it does affect the immune system and the response to infection and I think it's really sad because it is preventable. Now it is a component of a vaccine that we can get so there's a core vaccine for cats that does flu and enteritis all the causes of tummy troubles but an extra little add-on vaccine that could be given at exactly the same time is the feline leukaemia vaccine and it's a really great thing to do. I think for every one of my patients, I always recommend that it's done because if they do come in contact with the virus, then it's there for life. If we vaccinate them afterwards, let's say, for example, it won't it won't help them. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, 
is something we can very easily test for as well if there's any concern regarding that. But I think it's always best to get them vaccinated as kittens. And if they're a little bit older, um, it's still worth getting done at your next booster vaccine. Just speak to your vet and they'll be able to okay. add in that component if they're so not already get, done. you can get an older cat, uh, exactly. cat done uh, as well. Exactly. Okay, Angela in Passage West has a Labrador puppy is uh, a year old, uh, neutered, constantly barking at everyone that comes to the door, even when he knows the person. Uh, her big worry, though, is that he, it, he it, he's trying to chase after cars. Uh, now he's in, in, he's indoors most of the time. She's always afraid mm-hmm. somebody's going to leave the door open, or they he'll go out in the garden and he'll run run after a car, and you know she doesn't want to get him knocked down. Any mm-hmm. tips on how to train him? So there's two issues going on there. He wants to chase yeah. cars, and he's barking. You know, this is a really challenging one because in, in the dog's eyes, they think they're doing a great thing. They're barking at people who comes to the door. They're essentially protecting their family. And it's very much the same when they're chasing cars. A lot of the time we think they're just chasing cars for fun. But in their own heads, they're chasing away this big bad monster from the, the front of the road outside their house. And they feel that, you know, moment of elation and success when the car inevitably drives past. So they think they've done a good job. So... It's a very difficult habit to break, but it's one that you need to be very prepared for because a lot of dogs, unfortunately, if they do live in urban areas or next to a main road, a lot of them do get knocked over if they kind of engage in these car chasing behaviours. Now, it can be very challenging and I think you're doing the right thing trying to keep him in off the road for his own safety. Um, But perhaps breaking the habit of the barking at the front door if that is truly something that's causing an issue in the household is maybe the first one to tackle because obviously we can keep him in the house but if he's let's say scaring off his doors or making people worried coming into the house that's an issue um, and he really does just think he's protecting his his parents and his family um, so sometimes I think rather than breaking the habit almost giving them an alternate behaviour is a good way to do it so every time somebody comes to the door maybe bring them into the next room and give them a little treat and make them sit and stay and then go answer the door so after a little while if you consistently do that every time somebody comes to the door and they start barking um, it may be that you find that somebody knocks at the door and he'll whisk himself into the living room sit down ready for his treat so really trying to give them an alternate behaviour that's kind of more rewarding for them in a sense now if you do struggle and if it's a hard habit to break um, getting a behaviourist involved is is a really good thing because there might be something deeper going on but generally it is just that one to protect the family Yeah and Labradors are intelligent dogs They really are They'll pick it up really fast It's Mm -hmm. one of the reasons why dogs bark at postmen is because they think they've chased him away isn't it? Exactly and I I suppose I'd have the most experience of it uh, with people kind of talking oh say they chase the postman you know they're causing injuries but you have to think of the person on the other side of that it might be you know really funny thinking oh they're you know chasing people away but it's really not it must be very scary for postmen coming to the front door and having a big dog inside and they're putting their kind of letters in through the door and I think if you are causing issues from that point of view and if let's say he is barking at the barking and jumping at the door if for example a postman comes making sure you have a caged letterbox at the back end so that you can keep your postman safe Um, I I had a a friend of mine in Dublin who got a letter from on post saying that they were no longer going to deliver yeah. posts to the house because the postman got bitten putting the fingers into the door exactly so you do but but for the dog the dog thinks he's doing I'm chasing the yeah. stranger away and look every day I do it and he goes away I'm doing my job so mm-hmm. well that's mm-hmm. it it's not you can't really blame the dog no. anyway Angela good luck on Passage West let us know how you get on Jerry in Mill Street is trying to change his cat's food uh, he's feeding pouches that he buys in his local supermarket it's either chicken or fish but she he wants to move the cat from the wet food to the dry nut so he can just leave food out throughout the day and she can snack away. Any ideas now to get onto the dry nut food from mm. the pouches? I think this is a bit of a, an interesting one. So 
if we classically want to move a pet from, let's say, a wet food to a slightly alternative diet, the best way to do that is to kind of slowly move them over. So let's say mix the food half and half with the old and the new and then go three quarters of the new, a quarter of the old for a number of days and just slowly bring them over. But I think what I find interesting in this one is that he wants to move it over to nuts because he thinks the cat is putting on weight. And I think maybe that might not be the best thing to do. So if we're leaving unlimited nuts out for him to snack during the day, he's kind of going to fill himself up and trickle feed, but he may not really be filling himself up and getting that kind of sensation of being full you might just be constantly snacking and in another sense you might be at risk of intaking more calories rather than that control of three or four pouches that you have in the afternoon so I say in this situation it might be best to either weigh the dry food and give a restricted amount so you know how many calories he's having or else stick with the wet food just understand how much you're giving so if you look at the back of the pack there's always going to be daily requirements but I think if you have a pet that's generally putting on weight the best thing to do is pop into your vet for a weight check and they'll be able to guide you as to how to reduce the diet safely and with cats we don't want to put them on crash diets because they really don't deal with it very well um, do they not they no. really really don't so they tend to have a problem whereas where a they dog get, will, deal, will, will deal better will it uh, dogs are a little bit more resilient but I still wouldn't recommend it yeah, okay. very much the same as in ourselves slow and steady wins the race okay. but cats if you reduce their calorie intake drastically it can be quite dangerous okay. because their liver doesn't kind of metabolise things in the same way it gets a bit of shock and they can get a little build up of fat around the liver which is a bit problematic for them so I'd say in this case if your pet is genuinely putting on weight now is the time to tackle it before it becomes a big issue yeah. but speak to your vet to get some guidance on how to reduce it safely Okay Mary listen to us in Waterford I have a four-year-old small Yorkshire Terrier female neutered. Now, I bought a German Shepherd pup male a few weeks ago. They are not getting on. Uh, It's the Yorkshire Terrier who's snapping all the time at the pup. The pup just wants to play, Mm -hmm. but the Terrier is trying to bite the pup. And she's also noticed that the Terrier now has a tendency to snap at her as well. Yeah, this is a difficult one. I think like any family, when you you introduce a new family member, there's always going to be a little bit of aggravation going on. I think the pup is kind of probably none the wiser to the trouble it's causing um, because it hasn't really learned how to be be an adult dog, as it were. So I think the really important thing is to give them both time and space. Make sure that they both have separate bowls, separate beds in different parts of the house so that they can have a little bit of alone time, very much like ourselves when we have to deal with new people. I think a really important thing is to maybe take your pup for a few extra walks. Try and play with them yourself so you can wear them out a little bit so they're not trying to vent all of their en- energy with the, the older Yorkshire Terrier and that the Yorkshire Terrier has a little bit more time to maybe relax and get to know him more gently rather than in a boisterous play environment. Um, they will be the main things I would say. I think time and space is the way to go if there's genuinely an issue long term and they're struggling to settle and certainly if you're having problems with them snapping at members of the family I think maybe speaking to your vet and getting advice as to who to use as an animal behaviourist is the best thing because sometimes just somebody going into the house seeing how the pet is interacting with the other pets but also the other members of the household can be a really helpful thing uh, the, the, It's a it's two very different dogs isn't it? Mm. A Yorkshire Terrier and a German Shepherd It's massive yeah I suppose if we have a German Shepherd puppy the size different probably won't be that large at the moment but I have to, I have to admit that if if the Yorkshire Terrier is uh, attempting to snap and kind of fight his ground for the meantime then uh, that's not going to work out so well when the German Shepherd gets a lot bigger so yeah. one would hope at that point that everything would have settled down they would have got used to each other's presence but obviously when you have a very small dog and a very big dog sometimes they don't know their own size and when that German Shepherd gets a little bit bigger and it wants to play with the Yorkshire Terrier it needs to know how to behave appropriately with it yeah. um, and not play so boisterously and lots of dogs are very good getting to know when to play you know a little bit rougher and when that's acceptable and when just to have a gentle little sniff and ponder away um, and most 
most of dogs, most dogs pick up on that. But I think the Yorkshire Terrier is just trying to let the pup know that there are limits on his patience. And, and when, you, <laughs> when you are taking an, another dog into the house, does it does it matter? Should you think about size or do, do, do the breeds all get on with each other? Uh, they do and they don't. I think the most important thing is finding breeds that work with your lifestyle and that you can manage efficiently so for example if you know that you only have a half an hour in the morning and half an hour in the evening you need to pick a pet that's not going to need a vast amount of exercise because if they don't get the exercise they need whatever breed they are they're going to be trying to vent that energy elsewhere whether that be chewing apart your furniture or playing boisterously with the other dogs I think it's just really important to pick your new pets in line with your lifestyle and again your vet is the best person to speak to about that Okay and somebody says roughly how much does vaccines for a kitten cost? Um, It's very variable it depends on what brand and also your vet and your area Um, anywhere between let's say 25 to 40 and depending on what components are involved so speak to your vet and they'll be able to kind of guide you as to what's best for your kitten Okay mine have been information as always Jane thank you for that and uh, thanks for joining us that is Jane Pickett from the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group that's where I leave you for today with a reminder tomorrow we'll play for the final time for Dano's Centre on Maxwell Spa Glen in Amalo final vouchers to be given away and also tomorrow we've got Spooky Town at the Photo Island Resort it is a free family pass Friday tomorrow remember this is the sound effect you'll be listening out for <laughs> We'll be playing that each and every hour tomorrow and we will have daily prize winners of our hourly prize winners, sorry, our free family passes and one listener will get their prize bumped up to a free family pass along with dinner for four at the Photo Island uh, Resort. So we'll do that tomorrow, give you more details of that tomorrow from 10. Uh, Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. Have a very good afternoon. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick is with you for the afternoon and mind yourself tonight with Storm Callum. Talk today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.